0: back to Kazantona Monologue. In this episode, we're going to be covering the Babylon 5 Season 5 episode, Meditations on the Abyss. Uh, so this is a little fun episode. Uh, you got multiple things weaving in and out. Um, it's really Lanier and Veer's episode with uh, some small inclusions of what is going on with Chakar and his little sermons and Franklin it's a fun episode. There's a lot of uh, nice humor, McBarty's, the golden headbones, stuff like that, but it also uh, in classic Babylon Fight fashion can balance out that tone and be ridiculous with the Veer story uh, where he's trying to become you know the uh, the ambassador. Uh, you know he's the next in line, uh, as Lando has uh, appointed him, and uh, he's having to stand up for himself. And it's ridiculous, and it's fun, and it's great. Uh, but it can also be rather serious with uh, Lanier's side, where Lanier is uh, seeing his actions um, writ large on a, a, a on another person. And having to deal with that. Class Babylon 5 style. Of balancing tones. Um, so I just want to. Just real quick. The, the small stuff. Before I get to the big stuff. Um, I like. Uh, Drakar's little sermon. It's beautiful. It's well done. Uh, and of course well written. And Andres Kazulis giving is all. Brilliant stuff. But uh, I like how the entire sermon is him trying to teach them uh something that a lot of people uh don't understand and that is religion is not going to provide every answer some things don't have an answer you must provide the answer for yourself your own personal meaning and i think i talked about this before where uh you know a the a a holy text, religious text, is an interpretive text. You're supposed to read into it and get the messages you feel are special to you. So when the the person in the crowd asks, what is truth and what is God, which is an incredibly loaded question and a question that is unanswerable because everyone's gonna have a different opinion, a different idea of what what, what is truth and what is God, uh, Chakar attempts to explain it that effectively it is our journey to understanding God that allows us to understand ourselves and that is really what is important is that God provides us a way uh, a lens to look at ourselves and to understand ourselves and to further ourselves in some more realistic sense in some religious sense uh, there is no definition of what who or why god is there doesn't need to be faith faith manages as dylan would say uh you know uh, if you look at things from a pure literal stance in religion it's not going to make sense because a lot of it has to be taken on faith uh you know faith you, you can't change faith faith changes you and that is ultimately Jakar's point, is that you cannot have the answers. The answers are for you to decide what is truth and what is God to you, ultimately. And that will uh, provide an insight into you as a person. Uh, it, it's beautifully well done. And I, and I I, like how at the end of it, the guy says, ah, yes, But what is truth and what is God? He didn't get it. Uh, And this is exactly what Chakar was afraid of uh, back when Talon told him about uh, them publishing the book of Chakar: is that people are big idiots. (laughs) I brought this up before: you know, people can be stupid very very stupid and also look at things on a pure surface level you know they may look at babylon 5 and go "Ooh, cool ships aliens pew pew pow pow Uh, not looking at what it's trying to say about the nature of uh politics and humanity and uh religion and uh free will itself or uh, any number of different uh, very social and political topics it brings up from episode to episode basis. Uh, For some people, Babylon 5 is just that ships go pew-pew. And and that is ultimately what he's dealing with in this crowd, is these people want a definitive answer. They want, you know, uh, truth is the river and God is the mouth of the river, you know, That is very much religious dogma answer. That is very much a classic, uh, the Bible holds all truths thing. Faith and religion are a journey. A journey of the self, a journey of the mind. Supposed to make you understand yourself a little bit more. It's never going to give you concrete answers. You decide the answers for yourself because the faith brings that out in the discovery. Uh and I, I like how Franklin was there. Um, you know, uh he, it's very in keeping with him. Uh he's always been interested in aliens and alien culture, and now he's gonna be the head of Xenobiology at Earth Dome. And um he's always had a special interest in religion. Uh there's that great scene, uh, it's either season two or season three, I can't remember which, where he asks of Hanova, Do you believe in God? Uh, And she goes, well, I was raised Jewish. And he was like, no, 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 I didn't ask what you were raised. I asked, do you believe in God? Because he's a foundationalist. The belief that there was, at some point, some higher power. But every time we get close to understanding that higher power, something gets in our way and we can't quite comprehend it. It is incomprehensible. He understands, much like Jakar, that faith is a journey of discovery of the self not of some greater, higher thing. Because at the end of the day, if that exists for you, that's great. If it doesn't exist for someone else, that's great too. Uh, And it's just brilliant seeing him there. And there's going to be a couple more scenes between him and Jakara discussing religion in this coming season uh, that I really enjoy. I like how uh, Franklin is... In many ways a very philosophical character uh not on the same length as Jakar obviously Jakar is a full-blooded philosopher at this point uh but he's got the mind of someone who's interested and uh the curiosity and the optimism that comes from that so it was nice seeing that now another small thing uh Garibaldi at the end orders a suicide pizza uh there are many different iterations of a suicide pizza I have seen. Um, the gist of it is it's something so loaded down with, you know, meats and grease and cheese and all this ridiculous stuff that you're almost guaranteed to have a heart attack. It's a it's a it's not true. It's a misnomer. It, you know, it's that kind of thing. Uh, but it um, it's just popular zeitgeist about it that. You know, you order suicide pizza if you want to die from eating pizza. You know, it's an exaggeration. But the way I read that scene is Garibaldi has, you know, fully, you know, crawled into the bottle and he is losing himself. And somewhere deep down in his subconscious, he's acknowledging that he is destroying his new life that he made for himself with lease and, uh, you know, having a new career and getting everything back in order. He is slowly destroying it. And I think somewhere deep down in his brain, he sees that. And so, subconsciously, he is ordering the suicide pizza, acknowledging he is committing suicide on a uh, figurative level, a metaphorical level. He is destroying himself. Uh, now the Veer and Lanier stuff. The Veer stuff is nice and fun. Um, I, I think it's interesting that the Drazi immediately turned to Centauri, the centarians and suspected them as being the members, or, 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 uh, being, uh, the cause for the supply lines or shipping lines, uh, attacks. Um, Because Sheridan Co. are being, you know, understandably tight-lipped about everything. And they're noticeably uh, not having meetings with Londo. Uh, Londo even calls them out on that, this episode. So, somewhere within there, there's there's gotta be a rumor mill. Some scuttlebutt going around the ISA members that there's some weirdness around the Centauri. But also... I think in a little bit back, uh, you know, back of their mind sort of thing, they are looking for a scapegoat. You know, they were, uh, the, the telepath situation got as heightened and as uh, fatal as it did because, uh, you know, the telepath came and blackmailed them and they, and they needed a scapegoat for everything that was going on with the shipping lines. And so the uh, telepaths became the target of the witch hunt. Uh, so now, effectively, you have a situation where everybody came out of the Shadow War, pretty much in dire straits, not not perfect, and then immediately entered the Earth Civil War, uh, and only did uh, you know humanitarian aid until the very end, um, and things are looking up, but. They're still recovering from these wars, not not even counting, you know, when when the Centauri were on, you know, their warpath and gaining, quote unquote, breathing room. Uh, And so if you look at the the composition of the ISA, the only, you know, race that makes sense to uh, be attacking their own from not only a past perspective, but a biased perspective uh, as well as a military perspective, is the Centauri. And so, for the Drazi, I don't think the Drazi actually know. You know, it doesn't really matter. Uh, if they're right on the money, which they are, it doesn't really matter to them. What they need is a scapegoat. Someone to blame, because they're scared, they're frightened, and they're backed in a corner. And, you know, they had territory taken from the, from the, uh, from the Centauri not too long ago, only a couple of seasons ago. Uh, and, you know... The, the Centauri, you know, have reformed their image as the, the old clowns uh, who were once a great people that are now hedonistic people. They are now once again the conquerors, known once again for that. And while that makes them the easy target as the blatant, you know, uh, person to point the finger at, especially because they are part of the upper echelons of the ISA, the um, advisory council. Uh, and Veer going and dealing with the Drazi merchant—brilliant stuff. <laughs> Stephen Furst just, uh, acts the hell out of that, and it's hilarious because Veer, you know, we have seen him grow over the course of these seasons, and he started out as someone very, uh, very naive, very scared, very skittish, and he's grown. Uh, but he still maintains that sense of skittishness underneath everything uh and ultimately everything he has learned doesn't matter to anybody else because everybody remembers that little scared you know assistant that came on board and so if he's going to earn his name as the new Centauri ambassador with Londo uh you know becomes the new emperor uh he has to establish a name for himself much like Londo Uh, had to find some way to turn his job that was a laughingstock. He was given the job because no one else wanted it. And, you know, he he was just pawned off here. And he drowned himself in his sorrows with gambling and drink and women. And then eventually restored the prestige of the position, but did it in the wrong way and ended up leading to countless, you know, deaths. Veer is now doing it his own way and becoming, uh, you know, uh, the, the true ambassador, So you know, uh, standing up for himself, standing up for his people. And Londo's proud, fatherly grin is just great. Now, the near bit, it's great seeing the training uh, of the Rangers. We saw that in Learning Curve. Uh, which is an episode I didn't really care for, but I did enjoy the bits where we got to see the Ranger training, And it all ties into uh, everything Marcus told us about Ranger training. You know, how they, uh, you know, he's got that line, they taught me terror, you know. Uh, there, there was many uh, m- many aspects of those lessons he, he took to heart. And I like how Lanier and Fendel, Fendel is simultaneously the reflection of, of Lanier right now, and the Lanier in his past. Fendel is not used to humans. Uh, he is confused about uh, certain things. Uh, he's he's a bit naive. He's wet behind the ears, much like how Lanier was when he first appeared. And Lanier uh, is obviously now more experienced. He's uh, he's used to humans, um, but Fendel is uh, joined the Rangers not out of a want or a belief in service, he did it because he lost two two close people to him uh, in the Shadow War, and he feels obligated to um, basically honor their memory. And we saw Marcus actually deal with a similar concept where he had to learn to let go uh, and understand that uh, his duties as a ranger our death is important to him as living up to the obligation of his brother, uh, and so we have uh, effectively Lanier battling himself in a way, uh, confronting himself, uh, and uh, because Fendel does not have his he, he is not the right person at the right time at the right place, as the mimbari would say, he's not following the calling of his heart. Uh, his heart is not in the right place. Just like the Nier is in. He isn't following the calling of his heart. Uh, he, his heart is in the right place. He joined the rangers out of a selfish need to prove himself to the Lin, To prove that he is this great and powerful hero that can sweep her off her feet and pull a Lancelot. You know, and... And that's even proven again when they have their secret meeting at the beginning of the episode. And, you know, he's got all these bruises. He's got the scar and the lid notices. And he's and he he says, I'm pushing myself. I want to be the best of the best, basically. Um, Lanier is confronted with someone who also doesn't have his heart into it. And Lanier sees that reflection of himself and takes pity on Fendel. And so tries everything he can to keep Fendel... From, you know, steering the course the wrong way, uh, which, you know, at one point he attempted to kill himself. And, uh, Montoya's, Captain Montoya's, uh, uh, punishment for Fendel is actually quite, quite good because it keeps Fendel's honor intact. Allows him to still service the rangers, but it allows him to pull from personal experience, be the right person in the right place at the right time, to ensure that when people join the rangers, they're doing it for the right reasons. You know, uh, that's a very Mimbari way of thinking. uh, And it's um, also showing that Lanier acknowledges in some deep down way what he's doing is kind of wrong. It doesn't mean he's going to self-correct. It doesn't mean he's going to course-correct at all. But he at least acknowledges that uh, you have to have your heart in the right place. And probably he's just blinded by his love of Delenn, uh to think, well, my heart, I'm following the calling of my heart. Let's get another classic Pembari tradition that stagnates their culture at times. And because uh, it can be both a positive and a negative at the same time. Uh, and uh, so he fails to learn the lesson of Fendel, uh, but also acknowledges that Fendel needed out. Uh, it's quite interesting to see Linear effectively battling himself. Uh, it, it it was really good. Uh, but overall, this was a uh, pretty fine episode. Uh, it, it's furthering a lot of different uh, plot threads because we got Lanier now looking out for the shipping line stuff. Um, in all that jazz, uh, in in uh Jakar with his sermons and Franklin getting ready to leave and Garibaldi spiraling down out of control. Um, uh, but it also has a lot of really nice character moments and has some nice needed levity after the darkness of the past, you know, handful of episodes. Uh, with the telepath situation and the Korra's mother core's father being as, you know, pretty bleak, being from the perspective of the villain. Uh, It's a classic B5 of balancing tones, knowing what it wants to do, and accomplishing it. Uh, So I shall see you next time. Till then, bye.